Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We all know that translators are absolutely necessary for international diplomacy and global business transactions, but translation is as much an art as it is a profession. Depending on the circumstances and the personnel, translation of text can be affected by a variety of factors. Dr. Muhammad Al-Bakri, a professor of English, is co-host of a podcast titled On Translation with Dr. Joseph McElhaney of the University of Connecticut. He also is the editor of Translation and the Intersection of Text, Context, and Politics, a volume that has been adopted for graduate courses on translation studies in three countries. We'll try to make our meaning clear after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Tickets are now available for one of the most popular events of MTSU's Black History Month celebrations. That's the 23rd annual Unity Luncheon. The university's 2019 Unity Luncheon will take place Thursday, February 14th from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. in the Student Union Ballroom. Activist James Meredith, the first African-American student to attend the University of Mississippi, will present the keynote address, Where There Is Unity, There Is Strength. Established in 1996, the Unity Luncheon pays homage to local unsung heroes, people aged 60 and older who have lived in Middle Tennessee for at least 25 years and made outstanding contributions to the community. An MTSU students in search of the perfect outfit to wear to their all-important job interview are being directed to a new location beginning with this new year. Raiders Closet, the service that collects and distributes gently used professional clothing to students, will now be affiliated with and run by MTSU's Career Development Center. The closet and the center are neighbors on the third floor of the Keithley University Center. Dr. Virginia Hemby, a professor of business education in the Department of Marketing in the Jones College of Business, founded Raiders Closet in January of 2013 and has run the service with the help of generous donors' financial and clothing contributions. Her teaching duties, research projects, committees, and national organization commitments have expanded over the last six years to such a degree, however, that Hemby says she can no longer respond to individual students' clothing needs. Hemby said with its staff of six professionals and eight student workers, the Career Development Center has people available to help when a student needs Raiders Closet assistance. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. That's mtsunews.com. Muhammad, welcome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. What first attracted you to translation studies? Well, as an applied linguist, I am primarily interested in the relationship and the interconnection between language and identity, discourse and society, and translation theory and practice. Uh, translation in particular is very dear and near to me because it kind of underlies a lot of what I do in my scholarship. Uh, I live in and between languages personally. I'm very fond of studying languages. I also uh, do translate. I'm a practicing translator and I have done uh, work on Arabic literature, drama and short stories and and, and, uh, literary works. Uh, But I also write on translation studies. So Uh, In a way, translation is a defining condition of my being. How many languages do you speak? That's a difficult question to answer. (laughs) I have studied a few languages. I have facility in some of them more than others, but Mm -hmm. I studied besides uh, 
English and, and Arabic, uh, which is my uh, uh, mother tongue language, mm-hmm. uh, German, uh, French, Spanish, dabbled a little bit into Hebrew and Amazigh when I did some work in, in Morocco. Mm-hmm. So you're fluent in some, semi-conversational in others? Yeah, mostly uh, I reading ability mm-hmm. and understanding. Uh, in, in different languages. Yeah. But you don't really need to know many languages to be a professional linguist. You need to know at least one uh-huh. and work on it systematically. And know it well. And know it well, yes. <laughs> on an episode of your podcast on translation, Dr. McElhaney and you asserted that translation studies is a discipline that is undervalued in the academic community. How so and why? Yeah, this is a, a funny thing because if you think about it, uh, uh, translation is really uh, at the heart of what we do in academia. It is a defining condition of many academic disciplines, uh, classics, uh, foreign language studies, literary studies, uh, and even philosophy and history and the sciences as well. But it tends to be taken for granted. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is sometimes not considered uh, a scholarly activity or a creative activity. It's assumed to be a straightforward process moving from language A to language B. Joseph and I, in our podcast, among other things, we try to change that perception. You can investigate and analyze and do research on translation just as much as you can any other discipline, I would imagine. I mean, any subject matter is ripe for an academic approach it is, and I need to make a couple of distinctions here. So sometimes translation is broadly conceived, uh, so assumed to be cultural studies. Mm-hmm. And in this sense, everything's translation. Yeah. Migration is translation. Uh, museum artifacts is a form of translation. Interpretation mm-hmm. of the past is considered translation. This is too broad for me. I am more into the textual realm. I'm interested in language as a textual phenomenon. Yes. So translation in the sense of moving from one language to another. So that's one distinction that I think is very important to make. The second distinction is translation studies as a discipline. It's an academic discipline. It's very interdisciplinary. Uh, It requires a lot of scholarship, writing about what it is, uh, the challenges, cultural and linguistic, the sociology and psychology of translation and so on. But translation as an act, translating works, that is what what is sometimes not considered scholarly enough. So translating a novel or a play or a nonfiction book, that's considered an intellectual labor, uh, but it's not necessarily valued by uh, tenure and promotion committees. Yeah. Uh, you treat it almost like a trade, like carpentry or plumbing, <laughs> instead of uh, something that uh, that requires intellect and insight. Fortunately, that perception is changing. Uh, slowly, and I think uh, we talked about that in our uh, one of our uh, latest podcasts. There is change there. There is much more appreciation now of the kind of work that goes into translation, uh, the fact that it is a very close reading act. It's an act of interpretation. Uh, I think change is happening, mm-hmm. and it is going to be uh, more and more valued uh, mm-hmm. the more we elaborate on what it takes to be a good and effective translator. Think about it this way. Where would we be intellectually and culturally as a society if the works of Alexander Dumas or Voltaire or Rousseau or 
Confucius or the ancient Romans and Greeks were not translated accurately. Exactly. So for millennia, translation has been at the heart of cultural and intellectual exchange. Yes. Uh, I mean, we take it for granted, as I mentioned at the beginning. So how would we know about Plato's Republic or uh, uh, Don Quixote and other works like that? Or even, you know, uh, German philosophy or French post-structuralist theories. It is. Uh, we live translation. Uh, every day. It's pervasive in what we do and what we read. And yet, it's hiding in plain sight. We hardly ever stop to think about, okay, so how did this work come into my language? How, how do I have access to it? What kind of changes did the text undergo? What kind of ideologies? Uh, the problematics of translation. <laughs> so that's, that's what translation studies try to delve very deeply into. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls that, when it comes to translation, different languages have different regional idioms and slang expressions. Uh, no language is totally uniform. Uh, you know, Mandarin is different from Cantonese in China, for example. Yeah, so that's, of course, uh, uh, translation uh, is always an act of interpretation, and it requires intervention on the part of the translator. So you have to be sensitive to not only the syntactic structures and word choices, but also the connotations behind words, uh, the differences between languages, the cultural aspects, as well as the linguistic aspects. Uh, it's not a literal, straightforward uh, process. Even in this country, Northerners and Southerners can't figure out what the heck we're saying to each other. <laughs> and, and actually, one of the episodes uh, we have uh, on our podcast was particularly about dialects. What do you do with dialects when a, a character speaks in a particular dialect in Italian? How do you manage that in English? Do you find an equivalent dialect in English or you just use, uh, kind of flatten and neutralize a dialect and translate it into standard English? And there if, are, if yes. you do so, are you doing justice to the particular dialect in question or are you anglicizing it culturally, viewing it through... A, a Caucasian Western lens. Uh, so, yeah, there's this big debate in translation studies about domestication versus foreignization. You know, mm -hmm. do you want to bring the text to uh, home to the reader or you want to take the reader abroad to the text? Yeah. And again, there are so many uh, factors that have to be taken into account. What is your purpose uh, as a translator? Uh, what are the constraints you are working under? What is your uh, audience? And what do you hope that they would get out of it? Mm -hmm. uh, and what kind of text are you working with? Uh, sometimes there are impossibilities, and uh, we just have to live with that. We'll take a break right here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the Record. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Tennessee Early Childhood Training Alliance, or TECTA, works to improve the quality of child care in Tennessee by establishing a statewide training and professional recognition system. Through TECTA, child care providers may be eligible for free orientation training, tuition support for early childhood academic courses, and networking opportunities, as well as other services. 
For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about translation studies with Dr. Muhammad Al-Bakri, who is an English professor and co-host of a podcast titled On Translation. Uh, can you explain for the un- uninitiated what difference it makes if a work of literature, for example, reads differently translated from the language of origin into one language than it does translated into another language? In other words, if uh, the same work is translated uh, from Spanish into English and from Spanish into Japanese, is it going to read differently in terms of meaning? Yeah, absolutely. So there are, there are some languages that are closer to other uh, because they belong to the same family, but also uh, culturally they are closer to others. We could talk about Western languages in general, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it is presumably easier in this case to translate from uh, Spanish to English because of, there are so many similarities. Much harder to translate into Japanese because you have to take into account the cultural distance, not just the linguistic distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, it's also, as I mentioned at the beginning, what is the aim of the translator? What kind of text they are working on? Are they producing uh, a translation or a version or an ad- adaptation mm-hmm. and, and so on? Uh, so this is actually a question that I'm particularly interested in because I see that translation from Arabic, for example, I have myself done translation from Arabic. It is a much more fraught process because there are certain connotation and cultural baggages that are sometimes projected, and you are working against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to show to humanize the text and and not foreignize it and and show yes there might be some differences but are they are human differences and uh, should not be an obstacle in understanding the text and the culture that produced it. Tell me about the book, Translation and the Intersection of Text, Context, and Politics, which you edited and uh, apparently is a, contra- is a work of contributions by many different authors. The work, just based on the, the subjects that I have seen listed, uh, seems to span a great many time periods of history with cultural and historical implications. The main premise is that language Translation and politics are always interconnected. Mm -hmm. Translation is a politically embedded act. Mm -hmm. So, and we, of of course, uh, we, I look into politics broadly conceived. So it's not just politics in the sense of uh, governmental politics. It's also the politics of genders, the politics of identity. Uh, the politics of history and time spans. What, what if you if you want to translate a classical text from the past, how much uh, closer do you want to bring it to the present, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to make the language archaic to create that kind of artificial distance and make the reader feel that they are reading something that is classical and old? Or do you want to use modern language? And this, of course, happens even in Bible translations. Mm-hmm. You find translations that try to mimic the King James uh, language and translations that are almost uh, American contemporary American language. Uh, So uh, I have uh, asked uh, a group of distinguished scholars to contribute um, from different languages, uh, classical Greek, German, uh, Spanish, uh, Arabic, and so on but also to work from different perspectives, all within the large umbrella of Mm -hmm. language and politics. 
how does uh, a translator know when somebody has a political agenda or an ulterior motive for making sure something is translated in a certain way, shading meanings in order to fit their own, say, revisionist version of history or something like that? I imagine this is more of a problem in international diplomacy than anything else. Uh, but uh, I can see, if you believe the old expression that history is written by the winners, I can see people translating things in a certain way if they're not honest and don't have integrity to fit their own version of events. Yeah, and that happens, of course. Uh, sometimes uh, I mentioned the word intervention, I think, in the course of our interview. This is what is called explicit intervention and can be egregious. Uh, some translations are ideologically colored, especially when you are translating uh, politically fraught uh, text or religious text. But but any text can be subject to this kind of manipulation. And that's a problem. So yes, of course, the translator has to always intervene in the text to make it accessible to the reader and has to take into account so many factors. But it is assumed there is a relationship of trust. It is assumed that translator does not explicitly insert herself or himself into the text or change the meaning deliberately. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, you are right, especially in zones of conflict. Uh, this happens sometimes. Um, I think an example would be if you read the, the documents that discusses the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict and you see that the text is, is in English, but it gets translated into Arabic and Hebrew differently. Yes. Uh, you know, even words like roadmap and peace process and... Uh, One-state solution, you, you whatever that means. Yes, wall versus barriers, yeah. uh, settlements versus colonial uh, uh, settlements or occupation. Mm -hmm. So fraught words uh, are sometimes used or neutralized or avoided, uh, depending on who is translating. So if you were to study translation studies as a discipline, as an academic discipline, then ethics would certainly be a big part of the classroom discussion. Absolutely. Ethics, uh, translation ethics is a big topic in translation studies. What does it mean? What is the code of ethics that, that govern uh, this uh, interdisciplinary academic discipline and the profession, right? And it, uh, because as I said, uh, there is an assumed relationship of trust. Mm -hmm. um, and this, of course, can become even more fraught in certain situations. Let's say court interpretation. If you are translating for someone in the court system, you know, right. you want to be very careful mm -hmm. what they are saying, because it can be literally a matter of life and death in yes. this situation. And it has become uh, even more so in the South in recent decades as more people of uh, Spanish and, and Asian ethnicity become citizens and become residents of the area. And uh, lack of familiarity with the laws of their new land can sometimes lead to misunderstandings and uh, the need for court interpreters who know what they're doing. Yes, exactly. So the, the issue of competence is very important here. Sometimes translators or interpreters, and I can talk about both of them in, in general because they are related, of course, uh -huh. make gaffes or mistakes some unintentionally. It's just because of their lack of knowledge or lack of competence. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, translation requires a formidable set of skills, you know, knowing the target language and the source language very well. 
Not just the language, but the culture, of course. The two are always intimately connected. Take another break here. We'll be back. This is MTSU on the record. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking with Dr. Muhammad Al-Bakri, who's a professor of English here and co-host of a podcast titled On Translation uh, with Dr. Joseph McElhaney of the University of Connecticut. OnTranslation.org is the website, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, How has digital technology affected translation studies? We already know we can't trust spell check. And some of those voice translation software programs uh, just don't quite have it right. Yeah, so uh, I'll, first I'll talk about uh, digital technology in relation to what we are doing. I don't think our podcast would be out there if it were not for digital technology. Right. I, I'm not technologically savvy, neither is Joseph. Uh, we are scholars who write you know, and edit books and publish articles, but this kind of scholarship is often uh, walled off behind paywalls. So the idea of a podcast was, yeah, we can actually... Uh, perform an act of academic outreach. It's very reach. egalitarian. You yeah. can reach more people. Exactly. So, and it's it's free. It's available on different platforms. Uh, it's almost immediate. We release a podcast and people respond to it from Finland, India, Jordan, and, and whatnot. Mm. So it has that uh, uh, immediacy. Um, so that's uh, digital technology. It is uh, a good thing. As far as how it affected translation? It has, of course, uh, Google Translate and other services like that, I think, in my opinion, has improved drastically in the last 10 years or so. It is not perfect, but it keeps on improving. And by the way, one thing that uh, most people don't know is that these digital platforms and computational software, they don't translate anything. They rely on the efforts of human translators, Mm -hmm. right? And then they come up with algorithms of probability. You know, in this context, this word, if it's preceded by these two other words, Mm -hmm. what we call collocation, what is the most likely meaning? And of course, they make serious mistakes and gaps because they are not human. They don't understand. Sometimes a probability is not perfect. And that's what produces uh, laughable or ridiculous uh, <laughs> meanings. Uh, but it is much easier for uh, the digital software to work on what we call restricted registers. So if you are translating a weather forecast report, for example, yeah. this happens a lot in, say, in Canada from English to French. Mm-hmm. It's almost perfect because you know exactly the kind of language you will use, cloudy, windy. Mm-hmm. There is no, not too much variation, not too much dialectical versions, mm-hmm. not too much uh, uh 
embedded cultural baggage or connotations and differences. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier in this sense. Uh, but yeah, I would say that uh, the future of digital translation is bright. It will never be as perfect as human translation because, as I mentioned, yeah. translation is always an act of interpretation. Uh, but it can be used and it can be helpful uh, uh, and it will continue to, to grow and prosper. What place should translation studies have in colleges and universities? Are there, are there master's and doctoral programs available at institutions for people interested in translation studies? Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, not here at MTSU. <laughs> I tried to change that. I offered a class uh, a couple of years ago in the Honors College uh, on translation studies um, but we don't have, uh, well, and of course, you can also take classes in for language, the word language department uh, to hone your skills in translating from German into English or French into English and so on. But in other schools, they do have uh, MA in translation studies, PhD in translation studies, and it's Translation studies is kind of a thriving and prosperous field. So it used to be much more related to or connected to either linguistics or comparative literature. And, of course, it's always connected to these two fields, among other fields, sociology, mm-hmm. psychology, cultural studies, and so on. But it's becoming its its own field now, its own interdisciplinary field. Mm-hmm. So many schools, especially in Europe, are adding newer uh translation studies centers, PhD studies, and so on. And this is also happening in the U.S., uh, albeit at a slower pace. What kinds of careers are available for people who major in translation studies? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. There are, uh, of course, uh, to, be, to become uh, translators, you know, literary translators, to be academics, uh, to work in the court system, to work in the U.N. Uh, so there are different... Uh, uh, possibilities mm-hmm. um, based on uh, one's interests, yes. The podcast is available at www.ontranslation.org, and the book is Translation and the Intersection of Text, Context, and Politics, which is being used for graduate-level courses on translation studies. Dr. Mohammed Al-Bakri, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. We'll be right back. NTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. In what has become an annual tradition, hundreds of MTSU students attended the recent candlelight vigil honoring slain civil rights leader Martin Luther King, Jr. 
Held in the Student Union Ballroom and hosted by the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, the event featured speakers, songs, multimedia presentations, and a vigil of reflection on King's life and legacy. Here's keynote speaker Aaron Treadwell, an MTSU history professor and area pastor. Reality is these metaphorical nightmares I'm referencing sometimes can last half, if not your entire physical life. But the reality is one day you will wake up. When you have the ability to wake up from that nightmare, everybody in here has the power to decide what the rest of your life will look like. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.